0: Lord, you're good and you're faithful and you're very generous, Lord. So we just pray that the groundswell that you're bringing into the earth of your spirit, Lord, of your revelation, Lord, of your glory and your power, we just pray it would just rise around us, Lord, that we'd see that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, you know, I'm gonna. I I had to figure out a place to start. It's hard to start uh, because this message is part of my journey I've been on this this year, uh, but which really has been a long journey. It's been forty something years. (laughs) But I I had this amazing encounter with the Lord in January of this year, and it really shifted me. uh, And that's what it takes to shift us, right? We can't shift ourselves. We need God to encounter us in a way that shifts us. And the Lord um, just really got me away from uh, what the, the message Bible calls a grave-tending life. That's what it, uh, Romans 8.15, read that in the, in the message. It, it calls this resurrection life is not a grave-tending life. And, but, you know, because of things that had happened in my life, I felt like I got stuck Somewhere, and I wasn't really fully living. There was parts of my heart felt like it had gone to sleep. At one point, I said I thought they were, it was dead, but it was really just asleep. You know, Jesus said uh, about that little girl, she's not dead. You know? Everybody laughed at it, and he said, she's just sleeping. So that's sort of there was a part of my heart like that. Not fully, but there was a part. And, but the Lord brought me out of that, and it was just amazing, and, and he invited me. So, this is an invitation for people. Okay, he invited me on this new adventure with him. And, and so I began to go on this new adventure with the Lord, not knowing what this adventure looked like or anything, uh, just knowing, and I've told the Lord, listen, I'm not interested in, in, my, in any adventure except your adventure. I have no space in, or bandwidth is what you call it. Now, I have no bandwidth for my own adventure Because I know where that goes, right? You do too. (laughs) It doesn't go in a good place. If you're on your own adventure today, it's not going to end well for you. So, are y'all good? Thank you, Lord. Uh, So, the Lord began to do that in my life. And it was just, uh, was not amazing in the moment. Okay? Let me just say, it was not amazing in the moment. But in retrospect, it has been a very amazing Because God has been taking me somewhere. And one of the things that the Lord brought me to is, put that thing up there, uh, Oliver. Thank you for doing that. He brought me to this place where I was seeing a sign like that, okay? You know, that's just a funky sign with all these arrows going in different places. And so I kept having this vision of this sign, and I was looking at, standing before the sign, looking at the sign like, which which way are we supposed to go, Lord? And he kept telling me this, you decide, you choose. And I kept telling him, no, I'm not choosing, Lord. You're going to have to choose this because I don't trust my choosing sometimes. And this went on for literally a few months. It was just a reoccurring thing. And I was very uncomfortable. And I kept seeing this. I was not comfortable deciding which direction I was going to go. I hope you've get that same divine un- discomfort in you sometimes <laughs> looking for the heart but it was like he kept saying no you pick no matter which direction you go it is going to be good because we're going together we're going together and i'm giving you the opportunity to choose well i didn't choose i said no no lord no i can't choose i can't do it i can't make myself I'm too scared to because i'm scared i'm going to do something badly choose badly but even though he was telling me to choose and then I, I started having this other thing. I had this the Lord speak to me in this amazing way. I mean, I was shocked at how he started speaking to me. This was back in the summer, and it's just over. It, if I, I, can't, I don't have time to tell you the detail. I'm just giving you the high points, trying to get you into my story. Uh, and he started talking to me about uh, two things, inheritance, spiritual inheritance and natural inheritance. That it was time for the people of God to really begin to enter into their inheritance, and I'm thinking, I'm not seeing no inheritance on that sign. You know, I mean, where does that lead? And so th- that was just amazing to me. But then it, he got quiet, you know, like God does, right? God gets quiet on you. He's really saying a lot, but he's just letting you process. And then he uh, asked me a question. He went from showing me a sign. You can put that down. Uh, You can close that if you want to. He went from giving me something visual to giving me a question. And this was the question. What do you really want? What do you really want? And uh, like, what do I really want? Uh, I started thinking, you know, there's lots of things I want. Right? There's lots of things we really desire to have in our life. There's lots of things we want God to do and we want God to, to do for us. But I realized, like, Lord, I don't know what I really want. I don't really know what I, there's a lot of things I want. And he said this to me. This was after several, well, probably two or three weeks at least, this question and me trying to process, like, what do I really want? And I came up with some things I want, okay? I really did. I have a few things, like, I want this, Lord. I I mean, this ain't ultimately what I want, but I do want this. You should do that you should let you should ask yourself that question what do i really want it's a dangerous question it really is it's a very dangerous question and you really should not try to answer that question you should try to answer it with the lord don't try to answer that question apart from the lord because you come up you might not come up with the right answer it may not be what you think you want and as you know there's an old saying be careful what you ask for because you may get it and sometimes you get what you ask for, and you realize that is not what I wanted. <laughs> you know? uh, I wasn't too worried about that, but but then he, I kept processing this thing, and finally he spoke to me, and this is what he said to me. He, he gave me, an, he said this: "Pray." Yeah. That's what he said to me: "Pray." And I'm thinking, "Well, Lord, I pray all the time. <laughs> what are you talking about praying? <laughs> I've been praying, Lord. This is, this whole journey has been a journey of talking to you in prayer." You know, we all probably really pray all the time. What do you think you do or not? You know, and so that's what I really wanted to say is, is I wanted to, I think we're in a time to pray. Because I think God wants to do something. And I think he wants to do something and he wants to engage us in prayer. Whatever that looks like for you. You know, the last few years of my life, I've had a a shift in the way I prayed uh, because I was learning how to pray as a friend. You know, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. And God began to talk to me a few years ago uh, about friendship and about becoming a friend of God. And so I just said, Lord, I want to become a friend of God. And because I am a friend to God, whether I feel like I am or not, but I don't always act like a friend to God, okay? I act like something else sometimes, like a, like a not such a good person. <laughs> I'll be careful what I say. So the Lord began to help me have a little shift in prayer to maybe talking to God like a friend, which was really challenging for me, okay? Because when you think about friendship, and, and having a conversation with a friend, I felt at times like, man, I don't even have a prayer life no more. I'm just talking like God is right here like my good buddy. I'm not even, this is ridiculous, Lord. This is not prayer. This is, this is just me talking to you like, like you're a friend. And so there was times it just never, it didn't feel good to me. It didn't feel like, oh, I need to be praying this way. You know, I need to be supplication. You know, I'm making these specific requests. And, you know, the way you pray. Does anybody, we all have our methods of prayer, right? We all have a way of prayer. And God was kicking me out of my way of prayer. And I was, and in some ways I was sad about it. Because there are certain things I pray for that I really want. And I really love certain spiritual things. And I have these biblical prayers that I have adopted into my life that I pray. And I've prayed them in 9,000 different ways. I'm always reading different translations of these prayers to kind of figure out a new way of praying that prayer so it won't become so boring to me, you know. And like, oh, am I just repeating something? Are you all following me? And so... So I said, well, Lord, I've been talking to you. Haven't you been hearing me? I've been praying. I've been having conversations. I've been asking you about things, and and you've you've talked back to me, and it's been good, but he didn't say anything else. So that's kind of, you know, where I'm going to stop on that journey and interject this to you. I want to read this story, okay? Are you all Good. Um, so I just try to, uh, so so just I just want to get this point. There just is this invita- invitation from the Father, from the Son, from the Holy Spirit for you today. I don't know where you are in your life. I know some of you are not in good places. Some of you are stuck. Some of you are getting unstuck. Some of you, but God is wanting to take you somewhere with Him. He really does. He wants to go somewhere with you. He wants you to go somewhere with Him. Okay? And so that's what the invitation is. I, I, I really believe it. And it's going to lead, some, to lead to somewhere. But I will say this. It's not like this somewhere suddenly is in front of you. It's a, it's a walk of faith. That's why I say in retrospect, it's amazing what God's revealed to me. But in the moment, were, we're not these feelings. And I'll tell you, I want to just interject this you're going to have to stop being driven by feelings. Okay? You're going to have to stop that. Charismatic and Pentecostal people, the worst people in the world, by feelings. And I love feelings. I'm, I'm big on feelings. But I'll tell you what, faith comes first. Feelings, feelings walk behind faith. Feelings are to serve faith. Faith doesn't serve feelings. So if your Christian life is based on what you feel, you are you're going you're on the wrong path. Jesus is not on the path of feeling; he's on the path of faith because it says we walk by faith. And so, I want to encourage you to tap into. I want you to. Ta- want to encourage you to tap into something inside of you, where you begin to engage God in here and quit trying to engage him out here first. You can engage him out here, but you got to engage him in here first. And once you learn how to engage him in here, you can begin to see him out here. And that's really the truth. And a lot of people don't make that transition. Oh, another thing is what Luis was talking about. I wanted to say this. I actually had a word for somebody. I don't know who it is. It's about relationships. Well, Okay, Ryan said he'd take it. That is a dangerous, dangerous thing that Ryan just did. Because this is what the Lord was telling me. He was telling me, you cannot have broken relationships in your life and expect his favor and blessings to continue flow on you. No matter what you're doing, God will always resist that. God will always resist that. Yeah. You cannot have broken relationships in your life and expect God's favor and blessings to flow on your life. Okay? Now that's, that's right out, you know, that's everywhere in the Bible. It really is. It's some of the most powerful statements that Paul made in the book of Ephesians was about a husband and wife relationship, father-son relationship. And he was saying this is a picture of something. And so I tell you something, that will just stop you every time. It will break you every time. It will break, it'll break your life down. It will catch up with you. You can get away with it for a little while, but sooner or later it's going to catch up with you. And you're not even going to know what's, why. You're not even going to know why all of a sudden things are not working in your life the way you think they're supposed to be. It's because you have these broken relationships, these unrepaired relationships. So, that's for whoever. Okay? Y'all got quiet on me. I want to read the story. This is the Christmas story almost i got to get to this. Help, Lord. Luke chapter 1, verse 5 through 13. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, Judah, a Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So here you got two, two things. One, Zacharias was a priest. He was a descendant of Aaron. Aaron was Moses' brother. He, he wasn't a Levite. He was a priest. He had a little bit of a different function. He ministered to the, to the Lord in the, the things of prayer and supplication and standing in the gap for the people. And his wife also was from, she was also from a priestly family. She wasn't a priest recipient, but she came from a priestly family. Uh, and, they were, and listen, it says, They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord blamelessly. So they were, these were some, in God's eyes, they were, were amazing people. But, listen, but, there's a but right here. Everybody know what a but is? There's but God, which is awesome. But there's this other but that interjects into our little lives sometimes. We can be this. We can have this. See, I want you to get these people. I want you to get who they are. I want you to step into their body. I want you to feel what they feel and experience what they were experiencing because they were amazing people. They were at the top rung spiritually in those days. You know, they had everything going. He he was standing before the presence of the Lord. He was appointed. But they had no child. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well advanced in years. That means they're old. (laughs) I mean, I ain't that old. They're older than me. They're well advanced. I might be advanced, but they're well advanced. You know, well advanced when you've hit the tipping point. You already hit your prime, and you've done gone down, and now you're going down even (laughs) further. And I want you to understand something about a barren woman in those days. A barren woman was considered, she was considered to have a curse on her life in the days of, the Hebrew days, the biblical days, she was considered to have a. In fact, it was so, it was so hideous uh, in the Hebrews' eyes, a barren woman that they, the the the, they not God made a made a law that it was legal for a man if his wife was barren to divorce her and remarry another woman because she had a curse on her. Now that's pretty hideous, right? You can see how. God wasn't happy with those situations. But God didn't consider her. He didn't, he didn't consider her cursed. Because he said that she was righteous in his eyes. He had a different view of her. A different thought about her. And that she walked before the Lord blamelessly. That's how God saw her. See, you know, God sees things different than, than man sees them. The best thing we can ever get in our life is, Lord, let me see what you're seeing and help me to understand, understand what you're seeing because it'll change everything about you when you begin to see things the way the Lord saw them. And so there were old people, well advanced in years. And uh, it says, while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot failed to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And so that would be like a once-in-a-lifetime thing that would happen for a priest. It wouldn't be something they would ever regularly do. There were so many priests, and so maybe one. And some priests would never get that opportunity to go before the holy of holies, before the Lord, and 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 burn incense, means to prayers, to to intercede for the people that for that year. So it was like the highest honor a person could have as a priest in those times to be able to to get selected. You know, they did it by a lot. You know, they. You know, pick the largest straw, everybody picks their straw, and whoever's got the longest one gets to go. That's sort of sort of the picture. And so he, he had this opportunity to to do this. So it was an amazing story here. Um, and so the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. There's a big deal happening here. Everybody's gathered, everybody's praying because this guy's gonna go in and pray before the Lord and and come out and release the, 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 the goodness of God and the forgiveness of God over the people. That's that's what was happening. It's just a powerful moment. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. That's a really bad translation. He was troubled and fear. No, it means he almost peed in his pants. Possibly did pee in his pants. Because when he saw that angel, all... The air in him went out. All the color in his face fell down to the floor. His heart was beating in his mouth. Have you ever had your heart beating in your mouth? It is a bad day when you're that scared. <laughs> when you see something supernatural, that's what happens many times. Your heart suddenly, is, burr, burr, I don't want to see this. I want out of here. You know That's why many times in the Bible says, you know, when they, people encounter these angels, they say, don't be scared. Okay, well, that ain't going to help nobody. They do. What do you mean, don't be scared? I'm scared to death. I'm done. I think when they say that, there's a grace released to take that fear off of them where they can stand before this, this heavenly being. And this is not just any angel. This is not like Joe Blow guardian angel if there's such a thing, right? Oh, Tim's guardian angel showed up. No, uh-uh. this dude here—he's top of the rung. Uh, he was one of the archangels. Like these are the top angels there is. They don't—it doesn't get any better than this. And um, and Zacharias saw him. He was trouble fear. And but the angel said to him, "Do not be afraid, Zacharias. Listen, listen to this. After he got rid of the, do not be afraid. Said, this is. I want you to get this. I want you to hear what he's saying to him, because, and I want you to put it in this context. God had not said one word, one word since Malachi, which was at least 400 years. 400 years, God did not see, say anything that he felt was worth anybody writing down or anybody knowing about. And suddenly, the first thing that God says to introduce, to bring the people of God into a new age... To bring the people of God from this old vile thing where people abused women and children and everybody didn't line up the way they should, he said this one little word, little phrase. This is powerful, man. Do not be afraid, Zacharias. Listen, for your prayer is heard. Now, I want you to get that. Let that sink in a minute. 400 years. What's the first thing that God wants to say? He wants communicated in the New Testament. Your prayer is heard. Isn't that amazing? I mean, doesn't that say something? Isn't that like when you think about? It, oh, yeah. That's what the New Covenant's all about. It's God hearing us. It's God hearing us. It's God hearing our prayers. And just, and then it says, I love that. I think that's beautiful. You should think it's beautiful too. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid of him, blah, blah, blah. Your wife and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. So, now, think about the prayer. Your prayer is heard. Think about these well-advanced in years people. Okay? Here, imagine this. They get married. They're twenty years old. It's just pretending. They were probably younger, actually. She was probably you know, Some people say Mary was probably Mary, the mother of Jesus, maybe thirteen or fourteen years old. I mean, that's the way it worked then. I married a pretty young woman. She don't tell people that, but she wasn't twenty, and she wasn't nineteen. <laughs> and the day we got married, she wasn't eighteen. So <laughs> people don't do that no more. Uh, but I did. <laughs> I'm glad I did. I have no regrets. She married me. I was five years older than her, but I was way younger and, and maturity than her. It was bad. I was like a child still. I still am, Lord help. So think about this young couple. They get married. They both have this amazing uh, honor to, be, to serve. He has the honor to serve as a priest. She has the honor of being part of the priestly lineage. I mean, you're like the cream of the crop. In Israel, and so you get married, and you got these dreams like every other young couple has. You have a dream in your life. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna have a beautiful family. God's gonna give us a, some beautiful children. They will be in the priesthood. The sons will be priests one day. It's just we got this amazing thing that's happening in our life, and so, you know, they they get married for a while. They're like, we're ready to have children, and you know, just like. Anybody does, just like we all do, just like every couple does. And so time starts marching on, and their friends around them start having babies. And so you go to the baby shower, and you go and you try to smile through the baby shower. You know what I'm talking about? But there's this thing in you like, well, where's my baby? Where, where, Lord, where's my baby? She's getting her baby. Now she's getting her babies, and so every year rolls by. No baby. No baby. No baby. No baby. No baby. And I can tell you one thing from experience about women who are barren, because I had a daughter that was barren for several years, and this is this is the way it. it it was with her thank god she 's not she had two children, and it 's amazing in fact that 's really like Becky. i 'm going to go preach at her really i 'm going to see my grandsons, <laughs> but there came a point I figured out pretty quick there was no reasoning with her, like there was no counsel that I could give her that none of that helped her there was no really there was no prayer I could give her. She literally had Bob Jones. We took her back in a room back there, and he prayed for her. He had Bonnie put her hand on her body right there, and he put his hand on it and said, Oh, I see a tube in you that stopped up. Oh, praise God. That's what's wrong with her. She goes to the daughter. You have a tube that's stopped up. We need to fix that. No, baby. She had Bobby Connor. I'm, I'm just telling you, these were like the most famous prophets in our land sitting in a meeting in Point Center and said, You're going to have You're going to have a family. God's heard your prayers no baby Jerry, uh, Jerry Ball I remember him one time he knew nothing about what was going on with Grace she comes walking into church and sits down and he was looking at her and after church he walks up to her and he looks at her and he said the thing you desire God's going to give it to you the thing you desire so Grace aren't you happy no I appreciate the Lord giving me those words but I don't want, I don't want a word I want a baby I want a baby. I don't need any more words. I don't need any more prayers. I just want a baby. And that's, that's what barrenness does. It, you come to a place. You don't need any more. Like, do, what do I have to do, Lord? What other what hoop do I have to jump through to get my answer to my prayer? Now, that really happens with a lot of people. Some people, it happens trying to choose a spouse. What hoop do I have to jump through to get the job? What do I have to do next? I've done everything everybody's told me. I can imagine she went through this. And I can imagine by the time old Gabriel shows up and says, your prayer is answered, I can imagine Zacharias at first, before he said she's going to have a son, thinking, what prayer? We quit praying that prayer 40 years ago, Gabriel. Don't you understand? People this age don't have babies. They can't. All of that's over with. and got him in trouble. <laughs> right? Thinking that way, talking that way, but you can understand why he thought that. And so, I think you know it's a prayer. And here's what I'm trying to want you to hear: There's prayers that we've prayed that some of us have forgotten. There's, there's, we have every one of us in this room have abandoned prayers in our life. We've just abandoned them. Why did we abandon them? Because God didn't answer them. He didn't answer our prayers. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm not the only person in the room that don't have. I got. We all. I think we all have prayers in our life that we just. God didn't answer them, and we just moved on with life. These people were beautiful because they moved on in a glorious fashion. The Lord said they're blameless. They're righteous. In other words, they didn't become like some people become. Some people become bitter about their prayers that are not answered. You know what I'm talking about? Some people become bitter. Some people become lethargic spiritually when they have these abandoned prayers in their life. Are y'all following me? You get lethargic towards the Lord, and you slowly start drifting from God. You're like a boat out in the water, out in the, and, it's, and, and there's a breeze It's just kind of pushing you out there. And the shore is the Lord, and one day you look, and there's this boat way out there. How'd you get out there? They didn't get out there on purpose. They didn't move away from God on purpose. They moved away from God because they had this disappointment they're carrying in their heart. They, they're carrying this brokenness in their life because God didn't answer the prayer. God didn't do what I thought He was going to do, what I believed for Him to do. Am I talking to anybody? I hope I am. Because I think there's people who, who have just gotten tied up over this. Jesus... Uh, Knew about this situation, of course. Let me read this uh, Mark 11 20, uh, 24. This is an amazing verse that people quote, and it's just awesome. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Whatever. That word, whatever, is a challenging word, right? Because you can say that Jesus said that. Whatever you ask, But you can say to Jesus, like, wait a minute, Jesus. What about this? This is a whatever, isn't it? And you didn't answer that prayer. Are you all following me? I mean, come on, let's get real here. I've said to the Lord, wait a minute, that don't work, Lord. That, That don't work. There's something not working, Lord. Well, we could sit there in meetings all day and tell people that. Whatever you ask, you'll have it. That's what Jesus said, but I have some whatevers. And I didn't get them, and they broke my heart because they didn't happen. Mm. And so, what you see happening with some people, though, some people get better, some people get lonely, uh, pull away, some people, oh, I need to, I need to try harder. You know what I'm talking about? I need to pray harder. I, I even need to fast. If I can just fast and pray harder, God is going to do something. So you get caught up in this cycle. heart Try harder and harder and harder to get God to do what God does. And years roll by, and your knees, which represents prayer, and your heart, the distance between them gets bigger and bigger and bigger. You know what I'm talking about? You start losing that thing in you that says, get on my knees and pray for God to do this. Just like they did. It got longer for their heart got further and further away from their knees you know what I'm talking about and you start letting that stuff go little by little little by little but deep down in your heart if you could get down there where it really counts at is there's a broken heart there's just a broken heart in there because we didn't have the baby we never had a baby we don't even have grandbabies now our friends are having grandchildren and we got to go home, we got to go and smile with him and go home and weep on our pillows. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You go smile, you go be happy for other people the best you can, and you go home and cry. A lot of people do that. Are you all following me? Well, Jesus knew about it. I want to give you this, uh, Luke 18:1. 1. Ooh, i got to hurry up. Mercy, Lord. Then he spoke a parable to them. This is the parable, what they call the parable of the unjust judge. That men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Jesus, I'm going to tell you, Jesus knew that prayer is is something that is going to be contentious for us, and that we would have times when we would lose heart about our praying. He knew that, so he warned us, and then he gave this. This parable about this unjust judge and this widow, give me justice against my adversary, just to try to get people to see you can't ever quit praying. Don't let your unanswered prayers cause you to lose heart. Don't let it harden your heart towards God. Because when you harden your heart towards God, you disconnect in prayer. And when you disconnect in prayer, you disconnect from the Lord ultimately. That's what happens. That's what he was saying. In spite of your disappointments, don't quit praying. That's basically what he's saying. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to be disappointed. It things will not work out the way you thought. But don't stop praying. That's what Jesus was saying. Don't stop. Don't ever stop. Now that's kind of. All right. Let me read this other verse to you. That's really good. It's like a. Well, this is my personal key for. Keeping praying when I don't get my answers. So it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, Luke 11, 1 through 2, when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So these people were watching Jesus pray, okay? And they were attracted to his praying. You ever heard somebody pray and you felt attracted to their prayer? Like, whoa, I wish I could pray like that. I mean, that prayer has some juice on it. That, that prayer, they were talking to God, and God was hearing them, and God was talking back to them. I want to pray that way. Can I pray the way you pray? That's bad. Show us how to do what you're doing, Jesus, because we need to know how to do this. Because we learned a way of prayer that doesn't work. It just doesn't work, but we want to pray like you pray, because what you pray works. And so he gave us this famous prayer that everybody knows in this room. Probably every kid in this church could quote this prayer to us. It it's called the Lord's Prayer. Well, that's what we call it. It's actually the Disciples' Prayer. And it's a beautiful prayer. But the first thing, I just wanted to say this. I'm not going to give you a teaching on the Lord's Prayer. was this. He said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. And so think about it. That, that was what he was telling us about prayer. Um. Uh, there's lots of things about prayer this is the one thing though is God created the universe he put the planets in place he holds them in place you know but he wants us to know that we're his children and he wants us to never forget that and if you can always keep that in your heart, it's, it's what Louise was talking about early. It, it's this sonship thing. That if we can begin to learn how to be sons and daughters, and that we can learn how to experience that, we can talk to God as a father. Are y'all following this? See, that's why, that's why sonship is so vital. That's why the revelation of the Father is so valid, because if you don't really walk in that, your prayer life is going to be not well. It's going to be well when things are going well. It's not going to be well when things are not going well. It's going to have sickness on it. And so he was saying, you need to be sons and you need to grow in this sonship thing. You need to grow in this sonship thing. Because if you don't, this is what's going to happen to you. If you don't get the sonship thing, you open your, the door on your life for what Louis said: abandonment. Because suddenly God is—that's how you feel when God doesn't answer your prayers As you feel abandoned by God. You, there's this abandonment spirit that's in the world that that works on all of us. And so when things are not working and God is not showing up and God's not doing, the door for abandonment is all over you. The spirit of abandonment is going after you and talking to you and influencing you. He he really is. Are y'all following this? And so when we begin to to realize that this revelation of being a son, whether, whether we get our prayers answered or not, is vital to keep abandonment off of us. Because once you start feeling abandoned, you're going to start acting like an orphan again. And you're going to be disconnected again from God. And you're going to feel God is a distant father. And then you're going to go back into your little routine of trying to earn things from God. One of the greatest things that ever happened to me when I I wanted to tell you this. Are y'all following this? I mean, is anybody anybody hearing God this morning? That's what I want to know. Because I don't want to just talk to you and you not hear something from God. That's how I feel. <laughs> when I first came into this revelation of God as a father, this is what it was. Heaven opened to me. And this is how heaven opened to me. I felt like God was hearing me. And suddenly I felt like I had access to everything the father has. That I had access I felt it and I believed it and I prayed from that place. This was the one scripture, I found one scripture that describes it the most. And actually it's what, of the prodigal son, when the older son who was angry and bitter because the daddy had thrown a party for his younger brother who was a jerk and spent all the money, did bad stuff, slept with women, got drunk, And the daddy throws a party for him when he comes home. And he was angry. And you know what he said to the father? He said, I stayed with you. I was with you all the time, but you never gave me a party. You never did this for me. You never did anything for me. And I slayed for you. He literally said, I slayed for you. I slayed for you in prayer. I slayed for you in fasting. I slayed serving you and you never did a thing for me. See, that is an abandonment. That you've got a slave to get God to do something. And this is what the father in that story said. And the father, or he in Luke 15, son, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. That's what an open heaven is. All that he has is mine. All that he has is yours. And that's what God wants people to know. He wants us to know that all that he has is, is we have access to. And he wants to teach us how to access it. He wants to teach us you can have this now, this tomorrow, this the next day. And so that's living under an open heaven. Living under an open heaven is not necessarily seeing angels or having these. That's all good stuff. It's beautiful stuff because there's angels in heaven. But that's really not the jest the of it. The jest of it is, you know, being able to access the Father's bounty. Go into the Father's kitchen, open his refrigerator, and grab what's in there and eat it. And take some back to your friends. You know, that's what what it's about. So, um, there was just a couple of scriptures, I'll quote them to you, that the Lord really brought to me. James 4, 2, you do not have because you do not ask. God wants us to ask. You do not have because you do not ask. So it's God's will for us to ask Him in prayer. The other one is uh, Proverbs fifteen It says, "The prayer of the upright is His delight." The prayer of the upright is His delight. Proverbs fifteen That means that God not only, it's not only God's will for you to ask Him for things, He delights in you asking. He delights. It's a delight for you to go to God and tell Him, "I want this." That's why He said, "What do you want?" because he's delighting, he's going to have a delight in me praying that back to him. It's very powerful when you begin to believe that. So, let me just say this now. In spite of this, in spite of everything I just said to you, there's still the question, right? We still have the issue, the question is, why doesn't God answer my prayer? In spite of having a revelation that you have access to everything spiritual that God has, yet you have unanswered prayer in your life, right? So that's the ultimate question. That had to be the question of Zacharias. And Elizabeth, we've done everything, Lord. We've believed you. We've trusted you. We've walked before you with the integrity of our hearts, yet we never had a baby. And I can imagine him thinking, it's just too day gone late, Lord. I don't want to do a baby at this age. I'm tired, man. Babies take energy. How about giving it to somebody else? We'll help them. <laughs> Give us an adult. <laughs> Let them have the baby, and we'll be grandparents. <laughs> that way, we can send them home. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of reasons that God don't answer prayer. I don't know all of them. Okay, this is where I'm going to just. This is the disappointing part of this message okay I do know a few things the Bible says that same James passage James 4 two, you do not have because you do not ask and when you do ask you ask for wrong motives lustful motives that you just consume it it's a self-centered selfish prayer that's what he said that will that's that's the kind of prayer God doesn't care to answer um, God's a father he's God of wisdom sometimes we ask things it's just it's just not time you know it's just not time right Uh, sometimes it's hurtful. It would be hurtful. It could be a great thing you're asking for, but like if I give you that now, it's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt people around you, so I'm not going to give that to you right now. Maybe one day we'll give it to you. Maybe one day that that dream of ministry you have can be fulfilled, but right now it can't be because you you would damage yourself. You would rise up in pride, and you would destroy yourself, and I will not let you destroy yourself. You do not let your seven-year-old, you do not give him the keys to the car. But you're hoping in eight years you can. Eight years I'll give you these keys and we'll go drive. My daddy used to let me drive when I was a little boy in his lap. Y'all never did that? Well, here's one of my vivid memories. I'll tell you this. I got to finish. We had this van and it didn't have any seat. It had, one, it had two seats in it, it had a, had a, uh, a driver's side seat and it, had, it didn't really have a passenger seat. We had a wooden chair <laughs> there. <laughs> We had a wooden chair. So I took the wooden chair and put it in the back of my van while my dad let my younger sister drive. Well, gosh, she about run into a tree, okay? He had to slam on brakes with the van. All I can remember of me is tumbling, all the way around the back of that van with that chair flying everywhere. And I was so mad at him. I came up, I came up bleeding, mad boy. I was ready to fight my sister. That's how I came up off that floor. Screaming at my sister. I'm like, Daddy, you be quiet. (laughs) Well, I don't know why I told you all that. (laughs) Anyways, I think a lot of times, you know, there's a couple of unanswered prayers in the Bible. David prayed for that baby, remember, that him and Bathsheba had together. And God didn't answer that prayer. So unanswered prayer is, is something in the Bible. Paul prayed. Listen, Paul prayed, remove this thorn. Let's forget about what the thorn is. I think I know what it was. It's not what everybody else thinks, but he prayed, and the Lord never did that for him as far as we know. He did not remove his thorn, but he said, listen, I'll give you grace. And that's where Paul came into the revelation of grace, which he's known as the apostle of grace. Grace empowers you. God said, it's better for you. You You're just going to have to deal with this thorn, but I'm going to give you power to overcome this thing. And that's when you're going to understand the grace of God and the power of God. So maybe God has something bigger, bigger and bigger and bigger for you. Okay? You know, I, I wrote down some things, some of my unanswered prayers have caused me to do. It caused me to come to the truth about myself. You know? I had to, it made me face some things about me. Uh, it really brought me to a, to a low place in my life. It really humbled me. When I really need humility to be operating in my life, it caused brokenness in me, where I felt broken before the Lord, where God could, could begin to speak speak to me. Nobody wants any of this, but it will bring you to a place of surrender. Unanswered prayer will bring you to a place where you surrender to the Lord and give God a chance to do what God wants to do in your life. Okay, but at the end of the day, I wanted to say this: prayer is a mystery. And can't be fully explained. Like I said, I'm going to just disappoint you here um, about that. But I do, so I want you to take that for what it's worth. I hope it's worth for somebody in this room struggling. I do want to say that God is saying pray. That's what I want to say. And I believe that God is going to answer some prayers about things that we have forgotten about or things we've just let go. That's what I feel like God was, is telling me in my own personal life. There's things, there's hopes, there's dreams that I've had that I gave up on. In fact, tell the Lord, I don't, I don't need that in my life. In fact, he spoke to me once and said, I want you to dream again. I'm like, Lord, I don't need to dream about that no more. I don't want it. All that is, it's pain to me. That's the way it feels. It feels painful to me. I don't want to think about it no more. And why did it feel painful? Because God never did what I thought he was supposed to do about it. He never answered my prayers. But, but I believe the Lord wants to do that. And I believe he's asking the question. with that, like, what do you really want? What do you really want? What do you really want in your personal life? What do you really want in your home? What do you really want about your children, your family? What do you really want? What do you really want about your ministry? You know? What do you really want about your future? And I think God wants people to ask that question. Ask yourself that question and let God help you answer that question. And when you begin to feel like you have permission from the Lord when you come up with some things because I had two or three things I feel like God these are not like the ultimate things for me but they are important things for me okay and I feel like the Lord said you can pray that pray for that like there's this permission from heaven to pray on certain things but there's some things that are really going to determine what your future looks like. That's where God ultimately wants to get to with you is that thing and find out what that is. And so this is is like a journey with the Lord. This is like an adventure with God and trying to discern because God wants to move in different ways now people's lives but I do, want, I do know that God wants to answer prayer so that's the invitation who wants to, who wants to uh, say yes to the Lord Lord I, I, I'm saying yes to you this morning I'm going to go this little journey with you as uncomfortable as this is going to make me Ooh, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hey, that was a great message that Randall gave last week, wasn't it? You might want to go back and listen to it again. That was a really great word he, uh, he gave me. At the job. If, if you heard that word he gave me at the end. Actually, uh, I've had that word before. Uh, the first person who gave it was this guy from South Africa who came here with Bobby Connor. He was a prophet guy, and he gave it to me privately. And you know what I told the Lord when he gave me that? Like, I don't want to do that, Lord. Like, Is that what you want for me, Lord? I don't want to do that. I, have no, I don't want to get involved in that. Please don't let me get involved in that. That's not who I am, Lord. I was telling the Lord that. Uh, sometimes the Lord might be inviting you into something that you necessarily wouldn't choose for yourself. Okay? You need to be open when God. Later I went back and said, Okay, if that's really what you want me to do, I'll do it. But you need to make sure I know it. And when he gave it to me, I'm like, I guess that's what I'm going to do now. And I've had some powerful dreams. Uh, When I was with a couple people, uh, I'm just telling you this. Mike Beckel, you all know who Mike Beckel is? He's like a big prayer guy. And this other guy, Dutch Sheets. And Dutch Sheets was giving me this access to information that he has in the dream. And here's the crazy thing about the dream. I'm going to finish here. I just want y'all to hear this. this is God's, God's got a big sense of humor. The dream was in the setting of a town, okay? Have anybody ever watched a Hallmark movie? <laughs> they are the lousiest, cheesiest, stupid movies ever. <laughs> and it's always about, here's what it's always about. It's about this over and over. Somebody lives in the city. Okay, and they're going back to their hometown, which is some nice quaint, you know, idealistic, little beautiful, sappy, cheesy place, but they're arrogant, and they have this relationship, okay, and it always goes the same way. It ends up they go marry somebody there that they knew when they were in high school. It's so predictable, I can watch a Hallmark movie in five minutes and tell you everything that's going to happen now. That's what I do, because my uh, grandkids love Hallmark movies. So when they come over, guess what we watch? Hallmark. I watched about four Hallmark movies when it rained the other day. It's because I wanted to be with my grandkids, and they were, we're watching Hallmark, Papa. Come on in, and be with us. So, but that dream was in a Hallmark place. Which to me, the good thing about Hallmark is this, all's well, ends well. It all ends good. Everybody, the guy gets the girl, the girl gets the guy, they get a bunch of money. Whatever it is that they're, you know, their ending is beautiful, you know. And I feel like when God begins to speak to you about something that maybe you don't really want to do or care to do, that is the thing that will get you to that. Nice Hallmark ending. (laughs) It may be sappy. All right. Won't you stand up? Marlon, won't you come up and just get me out of this big mess? It's impossible to bail you out of that one. (laughs) Laughter is good. Amen. All right. I really don't have a whole lot to say. (laughs) <laughs> I think he, he he left at a really good place. So we have the ministry team come up. And uh, um, I just want to encourage you, if you want somebody just to even give you a hug. Actually, we're seeing that over here. You know, It's not even necessary that you want somebody to agree with you. Maybe you just need somebody to hug you a little bit and just give you comfort. You know, you can come one of these lovely ladies or or gentlemen, and you will be blessed. You know, and for and if you're not interested in that you know, you're free to live, you know, but I pray that the Lord bless you will give you plenty of grace this week and that his lovely face will actually shine on you. Amen. Amen. You know, so enjoy your Sunday and the fall weather. It's raining outside just to let you know. So bless you guys.